You're listening to The Dollop. This is a bi-weekly American history podcast each week. I, Dave Anthony, read a story from American history to my friend. Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. Bam! <laughs> what? Great. High energy. Good. God, you want to look at a dude? I'll do one bottle. <laughs> people say this is funny? Not Gary Gareth. Dave, okay. Someone or something is tickling people. Is it for fun? And this is not going to become the Tickling Podcast. Okay. You are Queen Fakie of Made Up Town. All hail Queen Shit of Liesville. A bunch of religious virgins go to mingle. And do what? Pray. Hi, Gary. No. Nicely done, my friend. No. No. <laughs> November 16th, 1952. Okay. Glenn Burke was born in Oakland, California. Sure. His mom was a single parent with eight kids. Okay. So. His dad left. One dad? His dad left when he was 11 months old. Was it one dad? I think so. That's amazing. That that dude really was like, I'm out. I yeah, sorry. I cannot, uh, Six uh, was tough. I should have worn a condom. Eight's a nightmare. Um, so Glenn was a funny kid growing up. He loved to take the other kids. Uh, he loved to make the other kids in his high school class laugh. Okay. Right. Like Nothing you. wrong there. Sure. Like Low class you. clown reminiscent of myself. Sure. Uh, he attended church six times a week. Just like I did. Two choirs. Two uh, choirs. Choirs. Okay. Uh, served as an usher. Okay. Uh, he bathed two or three times a day, but never felt clean. <laughs> well, uh, huh. Huh. That was well, a fun, a- fun little... That it's is a little a twist. Warning. Did you just say right now? Maybe we've hit our first flag. <laughs> uh, he was also the best athlete around. Okay. He, the game didn't matter. Whatever it was, he was the best at it. He played them all. Except for bathing. Except for bathing. No, he did play bathing. Couldn't win it, though. No, couldn't win. The game he never won. Ugh. Baseball uh, was the sport in Oakland that was the most organized, and Glenn joined the Pony League and excelled. Well, when you're playing horses, it's easy. That's what I'm talking about. By the time he was 15, he was a 5'10 and 180 pounds. <coughs> big okay. 15-year-old. Big, big boy. Yeah. Big boy. Very, very lucky. Have you ever seen Andy Reid at the uh, like kick, like punt throw kick challenge no. when he's 15? Because he's just gigantic. So Andy Reid, for anyone who doesn't know, is a coach in the NFL. And literally, it's for 15-year-olds. Oh, yeah. Andy Reid looks like he's 35. <laughs> it, it, he looks... Like a completely like he looks like he it looks like the kids are in where the wild things are and Andy Reid is just it's like if all the kids ran into each other and formed one fifteen year old player it would be Andy Reid and he just dominates yeah of course like he's like throwing it like fifty yards like yeah. every other kid's like fifteen yards thanks Mister and he's like oh, I'm gonna actually throw a field goal hey my name's Andy and I'm fifteen okay with a mustache yeah all righty got that when I was nine okie doke. Um, so, uh, Glenn was pretty much just all muscle. He's a born athlete. When he's 15, he hit a ball 500 feet. Wow. I mean, most, most, that's out of the park. Donors in baseball, (coughs) 98% of baseball players never hit a ball 500 feet. Yeah. That would be in a regular park. Now that would be, Oh, I mean, ow, crazy. Yeah. Yeah, That'd be crazy. Um, and his arm was like a cannon. Okay. He had three nicknames, Mr. Monkey. Oh, uh, can we? When do we talk? Do we want to talk about him at the end, or Magilla when you say the gorilla? Okay, sure. And just gorilla. Okay, interesting tweak. <laughs> Network notes came after the second one. Uh, 
uh, because he's a big person. Yeah. He's a black guy. Oh, God. Uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. You really led me down that one, huh? Really? Just... Glenn said, quote, I looked like a fucking monkey in those days. Okay, well, interesting. Okay. Okay, now so I'm not sure where we stand. You're on board. <laughs> His dad would show up occasionally, but he was very hard on Glenn, always picking on him. His dad wanted him to be, quote, hard. But Glenn wasn't like that. Glenn was a sensitive kid. Okay. He joined the high school baseball and basketball teams and was named High School Basketball Player of the Year for Northern California in 1970. Okay. His team went on to win the state championship. He got scholarship offers to play at the University of Denver and the University of Nevada. Okay. He accepted Denver's offer but left after a couple of months because he didn't like the weather. Okay. That's quite a luxury. <laughs> when you are like, where do I want to go free? Huh? Uh, well, it's uh, cold. Kind of think I might go to Hawaii for a semester. Oh, God. It's so cold. Just. I hate free education. Ugh. So he went back to New York. Uh, went Sounds back to New York. like Bernie's America. I'll stop. <laughs> so he went back to Oakland and I went to a community college. Okay. So shit's taken off. Is it? Nope. Okay. Uh, growing up in the Bay Area, he was a fan of the San Francisco Giants. Oh, Dave. High baseball team. Wow. Great baseball team. Best yep. ever. Uh-huh. That many hated the Los Angeles Dodgers. Okay. Which is how it works. Yeah. Uh, he assumed if he was going to be playing baseball, it would be for his hometown team. He assumed that. Yeah. So he had never really explored the process of how one ends up on a team. But I think back then, you were Got much more likely to be drafted by a local organization. <laughs> Just ama- what, what is the point of a draft? We're going to take that kid near here. The one from over there. All right, cool. I see him throwing a ball right now. And with the 18th pick, the L.A. Dodgers take the kid from just down the road. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I knew it. Uh, one day he was playing basketball when his sisters came down and told them there was a Dodger scout at the house. Glenn said, quote, I don't want to play for the Dodgers. Leave me alone. Wow. <laughs> and now he's he an was American g- hero. He was really good. They insisted, but he just yelled, I don't care. I ain't playing with no Dodgers. I don't like the Dodgers. Look, we'll do anything. They went home. We're crazy about you. And came back with Glenn's mom. With what is happening? They went back to their house. The sisters went back to their house. Oh, the sisters. I thought you meant the people from the Dodgers. No. Glenn, we have your mom. And they came back with his mom, uh, and then he agreed to sign with the Dodgers. What sign? His mom was like, you're fucking playing for the Dodgers. Okay, sorry, mom. Sorry, Dodgers. Uh, so he signed with the Dodgers with a five thousand dollars signing. By the way, if you're really like dodging a meeting that much, you're kind of a Dodger. That's well, yeah. Thank well you. A little long, yeah. long hike. You get a, a brownie point or whatever. I don't want one. The scout who signed him died the next day after he had a heart attack while driving and ran into a telephone pole. Oh God! So that that story had a weird good good omen. <laughs> I mean, you're there two days later. You're like, where's Chad? Oh, you didn't hear? Chad's car blew up. He hit a telephone line. This is your locker. Uh, Glenn had never been in a relationship. He always felt different. He didn't date men or women or anyone. He didn't have sex with anyone. Quote, it just wasn't important to me. He put all of his energy into playing baseball. Sure. At this point, Glenn was about 220 pounds. Okay. And it's all fucking muscle. He's just like this physical specimen. Monster. Yeah. His nickname was now King Kong. Oh, God. Yeah, you just can't get away from it. It's just... And what's amazing, too, is that 
they're like, it probably, like, it, not prob. it wasn't crazy. Like, people right. were like, it's just accurate, sir. <laughs> like, you're like, no, dude, no, 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 no. He started playing in the minors in Ogden, Utah. Which in is... the minors? You were like, uh, this dude, no, he's ready for well, majors. he's got to learn how to play. <laughs> I think he's okay. 220. Uh, Ogden's not known for its huge black population. Oh, good. Always. When, he, when he got there, he went to a local restaurant and sat uh, for an hour not being waited on. When he finally confronted the waitress about it, she apologized and said she didn't realize he was one of the ball players and then served him. Ah, so that's nice. Yeah, you are like thank, thank no? you, no, he, screw all or fuck yourself. He huh? left her a thirteen cent tip. Okay. Then he went back the next week and left her a thirteen cent tip again. Okay. Another time when uh, he he was uh, walking down the street with a couple of friends. There was a Mormon preaching and trying to sell some Mormon booklet or something. Get your magic underwear. Get your Mormon ideas. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he, he told them he wasn't interested. And uh, the Mormon responded by saying, quote, well, you blacks are the cause of all the problems in the world. Uh, and Glenn quickly moved to kick the Mormon's ass, but his two teammates held him back. Because Glenn didn't take a lot of shit. Good. Glenn kept moving up through the minors. Also, that's such like a dick move. Like, that's such like, want to be part of this club? No. Well, who needs you, dumbass? You're like, well, you just wanted my membership to your, what? <laughs> yeah. It's- that's like a guy, that's like this stereotypical like dude at a bar like, hey, uh, so he's sitting over here just thinking, wouldn't you like a drink? No, I'm fine. Thank you. Well, who would want to buy one? You're probably, you know, he's probably an asshole anyway. See you later, you stupid C word. Stupid C word. Uh, so, uh, he keeps moving up to the minors, playing in Pittsburgh and Spokane. Marvin Webb was a friend he played high school ball with, and he was also signed by the Dodgers. As teammates, they moved through the system together, and they became close friends. Marvin was also a flashy player who could back it up. While Glenn was nicknamed King Kong, Marvin had several. Oh, I'm excited. Is he, he is Marvin Black as well? Uh-huh. Okay. He was known as Marvelous Marvin. <laughs> Wait, he's winning. Yeah, the Marvelous Dr. M. Okay, great. Short dog. Interesting. And the hammer. These are great. Those are good nicknames. Short dog's not good. No, short dog's terrible. <laughs> what is that? Hey, How man, you it... like a tiny dog. Don't help with the nicknames anymore. Hey, little Barry. dog man. Barry, 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 we have one. Hey, who's a pug? Barry. Hey, pug? Barry. Who's a chihuahua? He's not a chihuahua. Hey, little dog. No. Marvelous Marvin is what we're going with. Little doggy. He's not a doggy. Short dog. He's not a short dog. Uh, Marvin was a ladies' man. Okay. When they were playing in Daytona Beach, Marvin would bring women home to try to get Glenn laid, but Glenn would never go for it. One night, Marvin was in bed with two women, and he yelled for Glenn to come in and join them. Okay. <laughs> Glenn responded, quote, nah, 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 and left. <laughs> was he doing the... That's what he said, he said. But it might he might have been singing like na 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 na. That's true. Na 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 na. That's true. Hey hey hey, and then he left. Goodbye. Good, yeah. That that might have been it. Yeah. Uh, after a while, if Glenn knew Marvin was bringing a girl back to the apartment for him, he would make sure he wasn't there. Okay. But Marvin was relentless. He assumed Glenn was just very picky. Then, when they were playing in Arizona, Marvin brought back one of the most gorgeous women. That Glenn had ever seen. 
They were all sitting at a table talking when Glenn just stood up and said he had to leave. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, you know that she was like, I've never wanted a man more. Uh, yeah, oh, totally. Oh, 100%. <laughs> like, he was like, no, 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 no. 100%. Uh, Marvin started to realize Glenn and uh, women was just not happening. Sure. As far as baseball players, the two teammates hit the shit out of the ball and were the two best players on the team. Glenn was the power hitter with speed, exactly what they want in the ma- in Major League Baseball players. Glenn also started all, Glenn also started to not take a lot of shit. Okay, he didn't like how the organization was treating him. They would often withhold the players' paychecks. He confronted them about it very aggressively. And one day he stole a base when the coach didn't want him to. And when he came back to the dugout, the coach said, "If if Glenn did it again, he'd take Glenn out of the game." And Glenn said, "Yeah, and if you do." I'll kick your ass. Oh, wow. And the coach just walked away. All right. right. Well, now, interesting. He has to get 220 good, pounds. Good, so I'm gonna go good. Come back. Take off. Fair enough. You steal all you want. I'll still kick your ass. Okay. I'm going to manage the other team. Good. Glenn also got into a fight during a game with an opposing player. The benches emptied and everyone was involved. The player Glenn first fought ended up having a broken jaw, and everyone assumed Glenn had done it, but it wasn't him. So now he had a reputation as an enforcer from that fight. That's great. But a big part of that was how big he was. Right. People just assumed. Yeah. He was also a huge fan of stand-up comedians Richard Pryor and Eddie McElroy. Okay. That's awesome. He memorized their albums and would do their routines. And then people gave him the nickname Eddie. Now, Eddie McElroy was known as a ladies' man. And with that and his size, Glenn said, quote, no one questioned my manhood. Okay, so he. Well, you said he doesn't like ma- boys or girls, but he yeah, just right now he's like totally asexual. Okay, right. Okay, he's, he's like nothing. Shut down. Yeah, shut down. Well, look, when you're memorizing stand-up acts, yeah, it's there's not a lot of time for yeah. yeah. I know for you. Excuse Finally, me. in 1974, as he excelled in the minors, he was given a major league contract. Okay, so he's put on the 40-man roster, which uh, means he's not on the team because there's 25 guys on the team. But they put their best players on a minor, major league contract, right? And that, I mean, you're in the mix, like you're, you're potentially mix. like yeah. starting. Like, now, yeah. now they're like you're one of yeah, our guys. Right. That didn't mean he wasn't playing the majors, right? Just they value him enough, and they paid him more. So, feeling <clears throat> more secure, he started looking at other parts of his life. In 1975, he went back to Oakland to find an old teacher of his from when he was 14. The guy was now a junior high school teacher. He taught glee club drama and work studies. Okay. When Glenn was younger, he used to walk the teacher's dog, and they would have long conversations. Is that where Small Dog came from? <laughs> was it the teacher's name? Was it Dave? No. Oh. So Glenn met up with the teacher and had his first sexual experience. Okay. Right. Afterwards, he cried for four hours. Well, the, we've all been there. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> you hear my first time. I think you'll feel. I think you'll have a little weep. <laughs> Uh, quote, they weren't tears from guilt. They were tears from relief. Uh, he was relieved because for the first time he knew who he was, a gay man. Glenn would continue to see his old teacher now and then, but they were never in a relationship. So that's nice. Well, this is before Facebook, too. You didn't have to be that explicit. I, and also, it was complicated. I kind of love, I, I love that you can go back and fuck your teacher. I don't care if it's a guy or a girl. Yeah. No, there is something... So, I mean, that's got to be out of body. Oh. Like, you're like, what just, what is happening? Yeah, the best. 
am I banging my glee teacher right now? <laughs> Did that just happen? You probably like it. Like it's probably weird to like call him by his first name. So thank you, Mr. Ru- sorry, Mr. Mendelson. Sorry, Mr. Mendelson. Holy shit, Mr. Mendelson, I'm inside you, Mr. Mendelson. <laughs> Mr. Mendelson, may I finish? Uh, uh, but he was a baseball player, and he knew he'd have to stay in the closet. Uh, he knew it would be the end of his career if he came out. Three other players on the team kept pushing him to move in with them, but Glenn kept putting them off. Mm-hmm. He told them he was going to stay at the YMCA. <laughs> okay, sure. They're like, but we're talking about like having... Dude, we're talking about a bang pad. I can't. I'm going to stay at the YMCA. Okay. YMCA. Okay. It just, I like it there. Sure. Why? I got to go... So he, but this okay, is okay. So you you want to know what they thought? Because uh, that's uh, a really weird thing for a guy who's got a contract. So a, let me because contract because I think what you're what is sort of happening is that like it's nobody suspects that he could be gay. Nobody, right? Like it's nobody. everything but that. Nobody. So I'm gonna guess that they thought he was really religious. Nope, it's worse. Oh boy, they just all figured. It was because he loved to play basketball and always wanted to be near a game going on. Oh, my God. Uh, it's just dynamite. Like, because in a way... The, I love the denial of people who are like, he I can't know. be gay. Like, just, well, no, but it's like... you I know, love basketball. It's like with the, the idea that, like, you know, when uh, Columbus, like, was coming to America, Native Americans couldn't see him because they couldn't, like, fathom that sort of imagery. Like, they're unable to fathom, right. like, there's no way he could be gay. He just wants to sleep with basketballs. Uh, I and think it, Glenn and, likes to sleep with basketballs. And the MCA was a disgusting place to live. Quote, there was dirt and blood all over the walls. I think he loves pubes. That's not, that's not a YMCA. That's a fucking horror. Yeah, is that an abattoir? That's a horror movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Blood? Yeah, blood and dirt all over the walls. Mm. Maybe a better YMCA. You know what, guys? I might want to move in. One weekend, the teacher came to visit Glenn, and Marvin just stopped by. Okay. He looked around the room and saw just one little cot and was confused. Okay, right. And he asked, where's, where's Mendler going to sleep? At that point, Marvin figured it out. Okay. A few days later, he told Glenn, quote, I don't care what you are or what you did with Mendler. You're still my friend. Nice. Huh? Yeah. Uh, and Marvin was true to his word. Nothing changed. They were now uh, playing together in Waterbury. They went out together and partied. They played basketball. And Marvin uh, even still asked Glenn to live with him. He didn't care. Even knowing uh, Glenn was gay. Uh, and this made uh, Glenn's uh, life that much more comfortable. So now, you know, he's right. got one guy at least that knows. Right. One night as Glenn was leaving. It also probably like women were further like, listen. I'm oh. in love with you. He was like, I'm banging my teacher. Please, leave me be. <laughs> one night, as Glenn was leaving a local gay bar, one of the managers from the team saw him. They looked at each other but didn't say a word. Glenn, ass- Glenn assumed that the manager would tell everyone. He was freaked at first, but then he just thought to himself, I'm going to be such a good player that no one will be able to say shit to me. But the coach never said a word. There is something like... Uh 
Yeah, and there, like, there's, there's something as horrid as this sort of thing. It, like, the idea that your life is a series of moments that you hope aren't exploited because of what you're doing is considered wrong, is a terrible state to live in. Yeah. However, there must be the like, this must feel minorly validating to be like, oh shit! I mean, these dudes aren't. Well, oh. it turned out uh, the manager was there because he was headed into the bar. Oh, great! <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. Well, I don't know. I'm cheating on my teacher with my manager, so I'm I'm going to I'm going to Jerry. Glenn liked Waterbury. Quote: It was actually a pretty good place to be a homosexual. You don't hear that a lot. That's what they put on the sign, that's, right? When you drive in. Welcome to Waterbury. Well, this will be a fine. great place to be a homosexual. <laughs> All righty. What should we put on the sign? I was thinking, Apple Town. Come, come here for the apples. Stay for the pie. No, let's just say it's a great town to be gay in. All right, next. What happened? I'm the mayor. <laughs> Glenn uh, fell in love for the first time with a professor uh, from Yale. Oh, he liked the scholastic man. He, yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, he'd take a bus to see him every day. When Glenn was called up uh, to the next minor league uh, team, you know, because so if people don't understand... There's like a bunch of teams. And you have to work your way up, right. up, up, up to the yeah. next team, the next team, the next team until you finally get to the majors. So uh, he'd take a bus to see him every day. And then, you know, he gets called up to the next team. Uh, the two cried because they knew Glenn would never be back. And uh, Marvin also did not move on. So Marvin stayed at Waterbury. Okay. He stayed in Waterbury even though he was uh, much better than the guy ahead of him in uh, the same position. So if you're in this system, you have to be better than the second baseman who's on the team ahead of you. Right. You have to knock him down, or if he moves up... But he was better than him. Marvin's better, but much better than the other guy. So the the issue is... ...was white. There we go. Figured. Cool people. Yeah. Having had a boyfriend uh, settled Glenn even more, and he became an even better player. He led the league in stolen bases and hit 12 home runs. One night, he was in one of his teammates' rooms playing poker, and, and they were all smoking pot when a coach knocked on the door. Okay. The coach said the head of the minor leagues wanted to see Glenn, and Glenn was worried because he thought he was going to get in trouble for the pot. But he quickly learned he was headed to the majors. His first big league game was in San Francisco. It'd be great to be like so high for that news. Oh, my God. Like your heart is just like racing, and then the guy's like, yeah, you're going to be, your dream's coming true. You're like, oh, my uh, God, I'm so high. Uh, 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 I'm so baked right now. This also, is you, so weird. No, it's like double weird. I uh, smoked so all much right. pot. Okay, all right, Glenn. Smoked, Glenn, your mouth. Yeah, it's moving. You're going to the majors. It's fucking great. Yeah, it is. It's so pot is so okay. Powerful. Look, okay, let's stay off record with this. This is a big opportunity. Do you want to talk about baseball? <laughs> yes, like, I have like, been. Like, what is it? No, not that part. Get out. Um. So his first big league game was in San Francisco, the home of the. So it's, it's, he's he goes back. To oh his wait! Home, oh, amazing! Goes back to his hometown to play his first big oh, league. Oh, amazing! Game. Yeah. Uh, in his first at bat, he hit into an out to end the game. After the game, one of the coaches told the press, "Quote: Frankly, we think he's going to be another Willie Mays." Wow. Now Willie Mays was and still might be considered the best player to ever play the game yeah. of baseball. Glenn was built exactly like Willie Mays, and he had the talent. He quickly became friends with the guys on the team. Two players, Dusty Baker and David Lopes, really took a liking to Glenn. Uh, they started calling him the life of the team. To Glenn, they felt like big brothers. He liked almost everyone except outfielder, outfielder Reggie Smith. 
Quote, Reggie Smith was an asshole. Okay. Good. <laughs> I love when players do that. Yeah. Nah, he was just a fucking dick. All right. You know this is on record. Uh, Reggie Smith would uh, eventually, uh, a few years later, be suspended a couple, uh, a couple years later for going into the stands and attacking a fan. Okay. Uh, so being a rookie, Glenn had the to... The Rube Law. Yeah. Being a rookie, Glenn had to wait his turn to play. He was the fourth outfielder, and sp- so he spent most of his time on the bench. So he's waiting for one of the other guys to get hurt or can't play or whatever. Right. Or just need a rest. Uh, that year's the Dodgers broke a record. Okay. They were the first team to have four players hit 30 home runs in a season. Wow. Dusty was the last guy to do it in his last at-bat of the season. And when he did, Glenn was so excited that he ran out... And put his hand way above his head, and Dusty didn't know what to do, so he slapped it. Uh, are, are, are you seriously telling me about the invention of the high five? This was the first recorded high five in sports history. High five was... <laughs> these are the gems of us. They truly are. These... The first time a guy gave a thumb up, the first high five, yeah. catchphrases being invented... <laughs> These are the moments that I'll miss. And it was just from pure jubilation. <laughs> yeah, it's he a just, miscommunication. He, was just like, ah! he put his hand up. And what the, the hell was it? that? Yeah. I don't know. You put your hand out, so I hit it with my five fingers. <laughs> we'll call it the extended hand clap. <laughs> why, is your, why are you making a fist? I'm oh, sorry. I forgot how we do this. <laughs> Glenn was up next, and he hit a home run the first of his career. When he came back, he and Dusty pulled off the second recorded high five so in history. Now, well, look, I mean, now it's, on. it's an old yeah. hat at now, this, like, this point. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the high fives <clears throat> invention. Isn't that crazy? Ah, oh, dynamite. The high five became the Dodgers symbols for the next year or so. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, the society took it. Uh, now the Dodgers, uh, the Dodgers manager was a bit different. He... Uh, Tommy when you said he of. went to San Francisco, though. He just played in his first game oh, okay. with the Dodgers. Oh, right, right. Sorry. Okay. <clears throat> uh, Tommy Lasorda was the Dodgers manager, and he loved attention. Lasorda loved to be in front of the camera, and whenever a player hit a home run, he'd give the player a big hug when the player came back to the dugout. Yeah. Well, his nickname was the Shouting Meatball. <laughs> <laughs> Glenn, quote, he practically mauls the guy. Lasorda clearly does it just to get on camera. He's perfect for L.A. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Glenn was getting a reputation as the team jokester, so after a player would hit a home run, he started running down to the end of the dugout and blocking Lasorda from hugging the, pl- <laughs> the player. <laughs> Boxing him out. And then he hugged the player. Oh, that's great. Mimicking Lasorda. That's great. <laughs> All the other players loved it. Lasorda thought it was amusing at first. Oh, gosh. Glenn also started doing imitations of Lasorda that the players loved. Oh, God. This was all fine as long as the team was winning. Right. It helped that Glenn was doing well and making waves. When he got the chance, he'd get hits. The fans noticed, and they started calling for Glenn to replace Rick Monday. But Lasorda never seemed to give Glenn a chance. Glenn would hit, and then he'd be back on the bench. And later in the year, Lasorda flipped out on Glenn. Glenn was joking around, and Lasorda yelled that if they were the same age, he would take Glenn, quote, into the bathroom and kick your ass. Why the bathroom? I don't know. What? Because that's when men fight. That's like one of those things, like that one got away from him a little, but it's like on record. Like he didn't mean go to the bathroom and fight, but he was sort of like he accidentally said in the bathroom for some reason. 
men my age? I, if I was as young as you, I'd be in a bathroom with you fighting in front of a toilet. We'd go to the bathroom to fight. Hey, buddy, bathroom, now. We're fighting. No, don't, should we go outside? That's in case I have a boom-boom. Yeah. Well, we're going to want to clean up right after. A lot of times when I fight, I have to poo. So, I like to keep it pretty close. I have irritable bowel syndrome. So? So, if I'm fighting, I'm doing it in a camp. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the stall divider down. We're both going to sit on the toilet and fight. <laughs> like men. First guy to remove his ass from the toilet loses. Uh, Lasorda also started doing things that were just insulting to a major league player. He would put Glenn, Glenn in as a defensive replacement in the outfield with just one out to go in a game. That is brutal. I've never seen that. That is so messed up. But he was doing it all the time to this kid. Just because he took his hugs? It made Glenn feel stupid coming back into the dugout after the game. Between that and always getting hits but never then being given a chance after getting a hit, Glenn was starting to get furious. And one day in the dugout, he glared at Lasorda. And Lasorda grabbed him and pulled him into the locker room and just started screaming at Glenn like no one had ever screamed at him before. Every swear word in the book flew out of his mouth. To Glenn, it felt like it was something deeper than just the baseball thing. Tommy Lasorda was from a Philadelphia town an hour north of Pennsylvania. Say no more! (laughs) His dad was a truck driver who emigrated from Italy. Lasorda became a professional... That's quite a long truck drive. Yeah. That's... You know, you gotta have a nice truck. Yeah. Lasorda became a professional baseball player, and then he moved on to coaching, becoming a Dodgers coach in 1973. He moved to a conservative suburb outside of L.A., and he became the team manager in 1976. And they went to the the World Series his first two years. Oh, good. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's also kind of lucky, though, right? Uh, you know, you gotta have a good team. I mean, it's yeah. There's a lot of luck involved in it, but you gotta have. There a always good is, team. but like your first year of coaching, and first year of anything, it's you know if you get really far, it's luck. It's, but baseball is m- much more than other sports. Is much more about managing, right? So right. you gotta be a good manager. Uh, he had a son, okay. Tommy Lasorda Jr. Where they was that a family name? <laughs> in high school. Tommy Jr. hung out with a group that was all girls. Okay. A classmate, quote, It was very obvious he was feminine. I was enamored of him because he wasn't at all uncomfortable with who he was. Wait. Let's keep going. In his judgmental, narrow-minded, in this judgmental, narrow-minded high school, Tommy Jr. strutted his stuff. So, okay. I I see where we're going. So, Okay. After high school, Tommy Jr. moved to West Hollywood. He had his father's gravelly voice, but was so attractive men often assumed he was a woman. Uh, Wow. A Tommy Lasorda voice on an attractive woman is quite a combo. Yeah. And he doesn't look anything like Tommy Lasorda. That's probably for his benefit. uh, Tommy Jr. wore his hair long. Some of his close friends compared him to Linda Blair in The Exorcist. (laughs) Because of the voice. Oh, wow. Good Lord. This is like, this is really, is this not about horrid nicknames? <laughs> Tommy Jr. hung out at the Rose Tattoo, a gay club with male strippers. One night, he came in wearing a cape, a ponytail, flashing a cigarette holder. Okay. He had bleached his hair. He studied portraits of Greta Garbo to see how her makeup was done. 
He had a closet full of beautiful designer clothes. A female friend said, quote, he was astoundingly beautiful more than most women. Well, when you come out of a closet like that, you have a lot of room for clothes. I mean... You've really emptied it out. He's not out of the closet. So Tommy Lasorda... This is this is like 79, 80? Um, maybe a little bit before that. Maybe okay, but still a very... 77. Okay, so so a very, a very closed-minded time Yeah. as far as like, you know... Sure. Not the height of closed-mindedness, but still, not being gay was still considered socially unacceptable. Sure. In the same city as Tommy Lasorda is the coach of the Dodgers, his son is in West Hollywood going into Rose's tattoo with, like, a cape, and it sounds like his dad. Yeah. Okay, so his dad has taken notice of this behavior because his son is not ashamed at all, and Tommy Lasorda resents that. And now... He's either got gaydar or he knows something and he's just being a prick. But take me there. Every Sunday, Tommy Jr. would have dinner with his dad, the Dodgers manager at a nearby restaurant. He talked affectionately about his father and said they had a good relationship. (coughs) And Tommy Jr. hung around the stadium, sometimes going on the road with the team. Glenn and Tommy Jr. became good friends. Oh, whoa. Okay. Tommy Jr.'s nickname was Spunky. Okay. Glenn, quote. Did everything had to have a nickname? I think so. Every person, every moment, I every year so. you got a new nickname in this dollop? Law. <laughs> Glenn, quote, he had a tremendous sense of humor. He was a transvestite some of the time, but not all the time, and extremely flamboyant. Glenn said he and Spunky bonded because of Lasorda's homophobia. They would go out bar hopping together in West Hollywood. The Dodgers became suspicious that the two had a sexual relationship. Okay. It's a question Glenn would never answer. But then one day, Tommy Jr. just cut off all contact. Glenn was shocked. Glenn said the Dodgers paid Spunky to stay away from him. It's, a, a, it's hard to be taken totally seriously when you say something like that emotionally. Because Spunky? They paid Spunky to stop seeing me. So, well, <laughs> call him Tommy in this circumstance. It's not as dramatic. It doesn't help because... The, okay, wait. The Dodger, Glenn said the Dodgers paid Tommy Jr. to stay away from him. Yeah, so that's, uh, and then you're like, okay, you have a case. Glenn said the Dodgers paid the Spunk Meister to get away from him. Spunky. At this point, Glenn was established as the energy spark of the team. Dusty Baker, quote, he was the life of the party. He was always making us laugh. But as the end of the season approached, Glenn was pretty sure most of the team was aware that he was gay. He didn't admit it, he didn't admit it, mm-hmm. and he wasn't asked about it. He met Dave uh, <coughs> Copay, a former NFL player who had just written a book about being gay. So he was a guy who played and then came out after came out, he retired. Right. They talked and compared their lives. Copay said he compensated. Still pretty much the playbook that athletes have to follow today, by exactly. the way. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, they talked and compared their lives. Copay said he compensated for being gay by becoming a super aggressive player. But that's not something that worked in baseball, where you have to be relaxed. He told Glenn to follow his instincts. But there was something dark about Glenn. Everyone on the team wanted to keep him laughing because when he wasn't, they said his eyes clouded and you could sense the violence underneath. Oh, boy. Glenn, quote, I was like Lou Ferrigno, who kept wanting to get bigger and badder than everybody because he had a speech impediment. Oh, wow. I mean, that's a little hard to take down Ferrigno, but that's right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, also, Lou Ferrigno didn't have a speech impediment. He was deaf. Oh, that's right. He was deaf. Yeah. So he like... So that's a little off. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, okay, sure, but... There's a reason. I forgot he was dead. Yeah. 
which made it really hard for him to get mad as the Hulk. Oh, God. Dude. Yeah. You'd have to like draw a picture. Be like, do you see? <laughs> I'm saying this about you. Uh. Glenn had 17 inch biceps. Oh I, my god! And so I had 17 inch I had 17 inch biceps, and I made sure everyone knew I wasn't afraid to use them. I want to establish that if you found out I was gay, you might not want to start hassling me because I would kick your ass. Seriously, best gay guy ever. Yeah, that is. I mean, if anything, that kind of sounds like Marvel's gay man. It's like <laughs> I will anyone who stands in my face with hate. Mm, it's great, and, and the team uh, was realizing it. That he was gay. Someone told second baseman Davey Lopes when they were at a restaurant, quote, my fork dropped out of my mouth. He was one of the last guys you would have thought was gay, but it didn't bother Davey Lopes. He believed a man had the right to any life he wanted as long as he wasn't bothering others. Okay, so yeah. so this is where you get into the part where you're like, because a lot of the things that you hear about gay guys in sports is that a lot of the players know. Oh, that their teammates gay, yeah, and they're they're not freaked out by it because they're so used to it. Everyone is scared how the fans will react. Well, and in a way too, I think that like, you know, obviously this is like, if you, what is so uh, upsetting about the way people view anyone for any sort of intricacy that they shouldn't be judged on, like the problem is that if people were to just get to know people as people right. and then learn something like, like then you don't like in this time then you don't care right. like we're getting there further and further but even today in sports like there are athletes who are like you know are are gay but they can't come out because of i mean in this country especially your team would be protested like you'll oh, have yeah. the Westboro Baptist Church showing yeah. up like all this bullshit yeah totally uh, and according to Dusty Baker, everyone knew he was gay. Quote, oh yeah, everyone knew him. Uh, everyone knew. It wasn't any secret. No one was going to say anything to him. No one was going to ask him any questions or anything. Good guy, but he'd break your jaw in a minute. Wow. But some of the players were uncomfortable. And they started wearing towels when they came back and forth from the shower. And Glenn noticed. The guys from California and New York seemed to be fine with it. The players from small towns were not. Behind his back, they made jokes about not dropping the soap in this hour shower. Wow. Okay. That first classic, second, I was like, "Yeah." Classic joke. Well, that joke has oh, always such been very a funny. Fresh one. Very funny. The joke has always been very, very funny. But Glenn wasn't interested in other players. Sure, he thought some of them were cute, but he <coughs> didn't mix business and and pleasure. And besides, quote, I always preferred more mature men, which is. <laughs> Truly what I think was like the th was the thinking for so long was like, yeah, but I just don't want him to turn me gay. It's like gay right. people aren't vampires. Like right. there's not you're not going to like cat like the, the idea that he would be unable to be around. There was even something a few years ago in the NFL with this player, Michael Sam, oh, yeah. who was the first openly gay player, uh, gay player drafted. Yeah. So he was with, I think, the Cowboys and literally an ESPN reporter was like, teammates say that he showers just like all the other teammates. Oh, and it was God. like, what are you doing? <laughs> What is happening right now? She he doesn't got jerk off in the shower. Yeah, I mean, and it was like, oh, you mean he's able to control? Wow. That's just amazing. This is a story. Uh, so now the Dodgers were in the playoffs, and for the first time, Glenn was really in the limelight. This uh, made his living a double life more difficult. Suddenly, baseball groupies were seeking him out, calling the hotel, waiting for him after games. And he was a big, handsome guy with a great sense of humor. 
they went on to the World <coughs> Series that year. Oh, wow. And they were playing New York, so the media attention was incredible. Glenn both wanted success and completely feared it. The Dodgers went on to lose, and Glenn's secret was not uncovered. But he still lived his life with one eye on the door when he went to a gay bar. He started thinking people from the Dodgers' front office were following him and became worried uh, that people were whispering about him. He was always worried that he was going to be blackmailed. Yeah. So that's the life, that's the life you're living. Yeah. That's a fucking sweet one. Yeah. Yeah. Really uh, enjoy that success. Yeah. Uh, when he went back to the Castro for the World Series, he went into a gay bar and there was a party celebrating his World Series appearance. He walked out. They weren't his friends, just people celebrating a gay baseball player. He was, for the first time, considering leaving the game. That's so crazy. Right? In the next season, Dodgers Vice President Al Campanis called... Is that his name? Is that right? Al Campanis? Al Campanis. Yeah, that's his name. like an annoying name. Uh, Called Glenn into his office. It's like if a compass fell in an anus. I'm (laughs) Campanis. How does that happen? Uh, well, you know, hiking can be crazy. Okay. You ever been lost in the Catskills? Not that much. Well, you want to find the North Star, but you can't see it. Uh-uh. Pop the old compass inside you. Wait, what? Huh? You do it on purpose? Oh, no. Nope. No, no, no. Where are you from? <laughs> uh, uh, so Glenn liked Al. They always got, had a good relationship. Al told Glenn they wanted him to get married. Ugh. He said the Dodgers always helped out players when they got married, and they would help pay for his honeymoon. They offered Glenn $5,000. You mean his nightmare vacation. How much? $5,000 to get married. Oh, my God. It's like a Fox show. Glenn told Al he wouldn't be getting married anytime soon. It's not... So they know he has huge star potential. Right. And the one drawback that they see is that if people find out he's gay, they're not going to want him on the team. So instead of taking the brave... Jackie Robinson, mm-hmm. who played for the Dodgers model, they do this. Yeah. They, they're like, get married so we can pretend you're straight, and then you'll be able to make tons of money. Yeah, right. That's got, oh, what a great, you got to be like, oh, cool. You guys really do support me. You guys were the guys who got you, Jackie Robinson? Okay. Uh-huh. Well, look, it, to be fair, at first, we suggested Jackie do whiteface. <laughs> so Jackie said no. On May 16, 1978, Dodgers announcer Vin Scully told the fans Glenn had been traded right as the team made the final out in a game. Wow. He was being traded for an older player who was in a downslide and had no upside at all. Yeah, but what a wife. What a wife. What a wife and kid. He's so fucking married. This guy's you nuclear can't believe, Nicky. You can't believe how married he is. Oh, this guy. His nickname's Married Guy. And he loves to bang his Holy wife. Holy shit, yep. wife banger. Anyway, our season's going to take. Can't hit the ball at all. He's terrible with but the ball. Holy shit, can he fuck a lady? Only got one arm, but it's the left one and there's a ring on the finger. Boom. After the game, Lasorda told Glenn, quote, We're tired of you walking back and forth in the dugout like a mad tiger in a cage. We're sending you to Oakland. Yeah, well, I mean, coaches should hate competitive instinct. (laughs) Makes sense. (laughs) The locker room was dead quiet. Some of the players were crying. They were trading away their spark plug, the life of the team, for an old guy. And that was not the Dodgers' way. They were not a team that traded young talent. I wonder what was different. So this is like this is that classic thing where people always act like it's going to affect the team, but here's the team 
And the team yeah. is devastated the gay kids getting... Well, look, even food. from like a pure business standpoint, if you get rid of a good player for a lesser player, that's a dumb decision. Yeah. And, and they... And baseball players want to win. I don't think they care what a guy's dude. I, I a, a, a guy's sexuality is. They don't give a shit. I, I certainly now, and the tr- that's totally true. Even a close-minded player, if after the fact, he would probably be like, "Yeah, well, winning was more important." Yeah, I'd rather have the ring. Yeah, baseball players uh, pretty much keep issues out of the press. Uh, like so, when there's a generally in baseball, when there's a team issue, you're not to talk to the press at all. Right, like, that's just an unwritten rule. Uh, but the Dodgers were not having it on this occasion. Davey Lopes told the L.A. Herald, quote, I knew something was missing when I came in today. It will probably remain like this until somebody comes along with a personality like Glenn's, and that's not going to happen. Wow. He was the life of the team, on the bases, in the clubhouse, everywhere. All of us will miss him. One player stormed up to the front office, furious, and screamed, demanding an answer. Dusty, Baser, Dusty Baker asked the team trainer why the team traded a top prospect. The trainer said, quote, they don't want any gay guys on the team. In Oakland. And then management was like, can we actually talk to you over here real quick? We just wanted to. <laughs> when we said that, that was closed doors. That was the, behind uh, closed doors. So he gets traded to Oakland. Now, if you don't know where Oakland is, Oakland is across the bay from San Francisco. Right. San Francisco, at this point, is the gay capital of America. Okay. Um, so Glenn. Uh, I'm got, curious what his, his reaction will be to this. I mean, there's different. Uh, ideas of whether or not it was good or bad from him. Bad for him, I, I think bad. What did he think? He was bummed. He was okay. Yeah, Glenn got three hits in his first night at Oakland, but the A's were not the Dodgers. The Dodgers were a first-class organization. The A's were a team being gutted. So the A's had come off winning three World Series in a row, and now the owner was just fucking selling everybody on the team uh-huh. and cutting expenses and right. destroying the team. Good. And that's when he fun to out. walk into. Um, the team were being gutted by an owner looking to cut costs everywhere. Just 3,000 fans would show up for games. Wow. And now he, and like Dodger Stadium is packed every night. Yeah. And right. here's 3,000. And now he was closer to the Castro and was spending more time there. Have I talked about the Castro? No. Okay, so the Castro is an area in San Francisco. I lived there for a few years. It's, you may have actually on a previous one. At this point, it's like the best place to be gay in America. It's you, besides the cops they had to deal with, but they're pretty fucking free to be right. themselves and not. I mean, there's definitely gay bashing that happened. Right. People would come in, but for the most part, they look out for each other. They built a community. Right. For the most part, they feel safe there. Um, so, uh, <clears throat> so he's spending more and more time there. And he's a bit of a celebrity there, you know? Okay. they know who he is and that he's right. a baseball player. Um, well, and like you said, too, I mean, he's, like, attractive and, like, fu- like so he's, like, just, yeah. like, generally probably, like, a catch. But then he's you are a, also, like... He's a... I mean, I think at this time... Because I, I was reading some stuff about I'm this. I'm fairly attracted to what I'm hearing. Yeah. The gay community loved the idea of a big... Tough guy yeah. representing them. Totally, and so that was uh, yeah. ideal. <laughs> totally. Um, so, uh, but the more he was there, the more uh, there was a chance the word would get out. Yeah. So he's that's why it, it's a double edged sword because he's moved closer to a community that accepts him, but at the same time, that community is open because that's could. one of their benefits, and yet for him that isn't. But it so really anxiety wise, I don't think it's good. Yeah, well, that that's the thing, right? Is like that is what like the 
you know, the total torture of that situation. The yeah. reason why it's like, uh, you know, good that we've at least like with all the nonsense that's going on, at least it seems like the majority of people uh, ex- accept this concept of like, if your life is completely compromised by something that's natural to you, you should be allowed to openly feel it and do it. Well, I hope most people come around to that. Well, you'd think, but then again, I mean, we're like, you don't, I don't even know where my barometer is for what America thinks anymore, honestly. Right. You know? No, I know. Like, oh, God, this is why we can't have nice podcasts. Your fault. Do you, your fault. You just yanked that over. Dave knocked the, <laughs> the thing over. I don't even know what the hell it's called. It's a recorder. It's okay. A recorder. It's a recording device. Thanks. Um, so, uh, one night he was playing in Chicago when a fan called him a faggot. So he's in the outfield. The guy yells faggot at him. Okay. Between innings, he went in the dugout, got a felt tip pen and wrote screw you on a piece of paper. And then he stuck it in his back pocket. <laughs> wow. Just in his back. Okay. It was all getting to him. Wait, did he do anything with it? He just put it in his back pocket and went out there so the guy could see it. Oh, okay. Right. I, in my head, he just was he didn't like, just put it in his pocket. And I was like, "That's I'm a kind of weird." This here. Yeah, only I know. Uh, he thought that if that guy knew, then maybe everyone knew. He never considered that maybe it was just a fan in Chicago who yelled "faggot" totally. at everybody, which is exactly like what if it was. Uh, like if he did, if he had honestly like told his teammates like emotionally, they'd yeah. be like, "Oh yeah, the guy in the red hat." Yeah, he said yeah, he called me that all the time. Uh, but uh, Glenn didn't hit well that season. But maybe he was right. A local reporter asked a teammate if Glenn was a bisexual. Oh, God. The player told the reporter it was none of his business. The reporter said the word was out and that Glenn probably would be gone next season. The players on the A's had never bothered Glenn about it, partially because they were all scared of him. Right. A gay friend kept pushing Glenn to come out. He tried to get Glenn to meet with a well-known San Francisco columnist, but Glenn wouldn't. The columnist wrote that a gay baseball player was hanging out on Castro Street anyway. Glenn had a problem uh, with his neck that uh, a couple weeks later, and the A's uh, wanted him to get a cortisone shot, but he refused to. And putting it all together, Glenn decided to retire before the season was over. But the next year, they hired a new manager, Billy Martin. Billy Martin was a drunk, a famous spark plug ex-player, someone who wasn't afraid to get into a fight, and a great and creative manager. We've talked about Billy Martin on one before. Yeah. Is it Tencent Beer Night? Yeah, he was, okay. in, he was in Tencent Beer Night. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, Glenn decided the A's were actually trying again because they hired Billy, and this could be fun, so he went back to the team. But was Billy, Billy Martin... Okay, I'm sure we'll Billy get Martin this. was all about stealing bases and making the game exciting. Right. So for a guy who steals bases, right. a guy like Glenn, it's the perfect match. But are we... But Billy Martin, does he care about this sort of thing? Is that you're about to get into that? Uh, okay, let's... Because my gut is that he's not cool. Ace team out Claudel Washington recalled how Martin introduced the new teammates that year. Quote, he got to Glenn and said, Oh, by the way, this is Glenn Burke. He's a faggot. Oh... Okie dokie. <sighs> so Glenn Martin, is like, oh, great. My anxiety level is the highest. Billy Martin was uh, a super complicated dude, but he always said how he felt, and he was not afraid to fight. He would fight Glenn, but he was tiny. Right. But Billy Martin was a fighter. <coughs> so he's one of the only managers alive who would say this. Right. 
but then Glenn uh, injured his knee before the season, and he was kept him out for a month. And Billy Martin was saying he wouldn't have a faggot playing on the team. So the A's sent Glenn to the minors, and Glenn rented an apartment 57 miles away from the minor league stadium so he could live in a city. It was on one of those long drives that he realized how far he was taking things to hide who he was, and he quit baseball for good. Quote, My life as a baseball player was over because I was a homosexual. No team was ever going to give me a real chance to play the game I love. Once he was done with baseball... Well, and that's why he wouldn't come out. Like, he didn't even come out and think of all the repercussions for, like, just being who he is. Right. Like, if he came out, he, he, it would have been a professionally bad move. Yeah, he, he would, no one would yeah. have him on his team. Right. And yet he was living a life where he wasn't as hiding it as much as other. Like, he was hanging out in gay bars. Like yeah. He was living that life when yeah. he wanted to. Right. Um, so once he was done with baseball, Glenn came out of the closet. His friend, Michael Smith, wrote a story about him for Inside Baseball magazine. In it, he stated the Dodgers had traded him because he was gay. Tommy Lasorda and the others denied it. They claimed they didn't know he was gay. But second You're sure. Baseman, then knowing what we know now about the Lasorda thing, sure. For right? sure. Yeah, oh, yeah. There's a reason I put that in. Oh, yeah. But second baseman David Lopes said everyone <coughs> knew and the players didn't care. When Al Campanis was pressed by a reporter about how much the Dodgers knew, he said, quote, We didn't know. We never saw him with a girl. Uh, what? We didn't know. We never saw him with a girl. Is your next sentence? Wait, yeah. Are you. We didn't know. We, we didn't know. We never saw him with a girl. I'm uh, making different arguments. We didn't know. We never saw him with a girl. We knew he was gay. What's media training? <laughs> Those are my, that's my statement. We didn't know. We never saw him with a girl. And when we called his home number, a man usually answered. Wait, what man, is he? What, this, guy is defi- this guy is defending <laughs> the idea that they did not know he was gay. He's not good at, he's not good at, at the idea Anything. we didn't know. Anything. All they gave him was one sentence. The first one. You ready? I'm going to read it from the start. Oh, God. We didn't know. We never saw him with a girl. And when, he, when we called his home number, a man usually answered. The man said he was a carpenter. Wait, 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 wait. Wait. What is he? What? Mo- so he's basically like he had a live-in carpenter as his defense? No, we didn't know. We never saw him with a girl. He lived with a guy carpenter, probably. Okay? That is a, a professional, legitimate statement on him. No one is good at lying in this story. All right? <laughs> we didn't know he was gay. There was a carpenter there always. It was a guy. He had a carpenter fellow with him. All right? He's, he, we, we knew he wasn't gay, but he lived with a carpenter. We knew he wasn't gay. He was banging a carpenter. What? He's not gay. We didn't know if he is, because he always slept with a carpenter. Continue the quote. But uh, what? Hear, There's more? Yeah. Oh, uh, yummy. But you hear a lot of rumors about players, and just because you see things, that doesn't mean a guy's a fairy. Oh, my God. So can I put it all together? Oh, God. Ready? We didn't know. We never saw him with a girl, and when we called his home number, a man usually answered. The man said he was a carpenter, but you hear a lot of rumors about players, and just because you see things, that doesn't mean a guy's a fairy. <laughs> he literally... Official statement, he, he, Los Angeles he, Dodgers. He, he literally... He couldn't... He couldn't say that they knew he was gay more, and then he uses a derogatory term as the end point. Yeah. 
Like, you probably get to the end of that and you're like, you know what's crazy is I missed the first sentence, which is insane. <laughs> oh my God. What a ride. Fuck. When uh, asked about offering money to Glenn to get married. We didn't offer him money. We gave him a bunch of money. <laughs> Campanis said it was an old Dodger tradition. When a reporter asked why they hadn't given money to Pedro Guerrero, who had just gotten married, Campanis said, that's a completely different situation. He had an agent. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh, like that's two questions like uh, the reporter was like uh, literally no more questions the defense rests when asked about Glenn Tommy Lasorda said quote he's admitting it I have no comment good now, well again amazing. short but also pretty there's a lot in there yeah well he can't really comment on it can he no he can't yeah because it was his kid yeah right. I mean if he goes into that story yeah. Now, uh, living as an out man, not hiding who he was, Glenn moved to the Castro in San Francisco and was a bit of a celebrity. It was a th thriving, open gay culture, really like nowhere else in the United States. And fortunately for Glenn, there was an incredibly popular gay softball league. Oh. I mean, you should see the Did he videos. start? Like, it's the videos, like, just packed, packed stands oh. and everyone's fucking... It's hilarious. I mean, that's like... You gotta admit, though, like... If you are walking away from baseball, you're like, oh, man, they just will never accept me. And then you're like, do you want to be the star in the gay softball league? Like, uh, yes, uh, this yeah, is actually, yeah. this is the other version that I never thought was possible. Yeah, I'll slide right into that. Uh, and he uh, so he's an incredibly popular, you know, softball player, obviously. And he helped the team of gay players beat the San Francisco Police Department team, which was kind of huge. Because the gay community and cops were not on good terms. That is so great. The, the cops, cops to be like, never play them again. My God. Yeah. You're under arrest for winning, you gays. He also competed in the gay games in 1982 and won medals in sprinting and in 1986 in basketball. His celebrity in the community just. He increased. sounds like he should have probably won medals in literally everything. Everything. And everyone in the neighborhood knew Glenn Burke had invented the high five. Glenn would often sit on the hood of a car outside of a gay, popular gay bar on the Castro and high five people walking by with a big smile on his Boy. face. Boy. I mean, that's amazing. Could you imagine high five in the guy? <laughs> well, you also got to think, yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that is like crazy. Fuck. I mean, that, yeah, that's like, I mean, honestly, like, you know, think of the first time like someone made it rain with dollars. You're like, what is this gentleman doing? But also to think that like, you know, you live so much of your life in this like, you know, prison. Yeah. As far as like what you can actually tell people, and then to be like, oh yeah, I'm the hot guy out front of the Castro, uh, giving out high fives to all the gay yeah. fellas. Yeah. Things are pretty much better. But baseball had been taken away from Glenn unjustly. He slowly turned to drugs and developed a cocaine habit. Oh boy. Uh, in 1987, April, Al Campanis went on ABC News uh, show Nightline. On the show, they talked about. Uh, blacks and management in baseball. Oh boy. Quote Blacks may not have some of the necessities to be a field manager or general manager in baseball. And boy, this the, guy really gave good statements. The host tried to give him the <coughs> chance to correct himself, but he wasn't done. Oh no. Quote I've never said blacks aren't intelligent. Many of them are highly intelligent, but they may not have the desire to be in the front office. So. And quote. Why aren't blacks good swimmers? Because they don't have buoyancy. 
Oh my god. He's... Oh god, keep digging. The next day, the owner of the Dodgers was asked if he would fire Campanis over the comments. He said, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah, of course not. Why would you fire a guy over those comments when yeah. you have black guys on your team? Well, look, he's right. Look, like he said, black they people s- aren't good in managerial positions and can't swim. And they sink. Because they sink. They're sinkers. All right. Uh, but the firestorm was enormous. I bet. And Al was fired the day after that, with the Dodgers owner now saying how wrong the comments were. Dude, now, in retrospect, now that everybody was seriously pissed, that was wrong. Yeah, now that I've heard people saying how mad they are, then I think that I think the comments are bad. You know, now that I've seen the downside that might impact me, I say what everyone wants right. me to say. Financially, this is going to All right, we team, good? So we good? I don't... We good? Uh, Tommy Lasorda said Al Campanis should have been given another chance. Quote, it's a shame, a crime. Ugh. I think of all the people he's worked for and helped, he made one mistake. No, no. Honestly, he, it seems like any, every sentence was a mistake. Uh, that same year, 1987, the gay player tossed out by one mistake Campanis and the Dodgers was on hard times. And then in 1987, he was hit by a car as he crossed the street and his leg and foot were crushed. Hey. Now his athletic ability was gone. He pretty much completely fell apart at that point. He ended up living on the streets and was arrested and jailed for drugs. Glenn? Yep. Jesus. He lived on the streets in the Castro where he'd once been a celebrity. Billy Martin, the A's manager, who said a faggot would not play on his team, died in a single-car accident while drinking and driving in 1989. Tommy Jr. moved to Santa Monica in the late 80s and would come uh, with a woman to Dodger games. Lasorda would introduce her as his son's fiance. Okay. And people would pretend that that was real. But Tommy Jr. died on June 3rd, 1991, in his apartment with his parents and his sister by his side. A reporter asked Lasorda if it was difficult having a gay son. Quote, my son wasn't gay. No way. No way. I read that in a paper. I also read in that paper that a lady gave birth to a fucking monkey, too. And that's not the fucking truth. That's not the truth. When asked about his son dying of AIDS, Lasorda said, quote, that's not true. He died of pneumonia, which is true. Right. That's but what that the both, both can said. be true. Well, that's what the death certificate said. Pneumonia and dehydration caused by acquired immune deficiency syndrome. Yeah, exactly. That, that, yeah. that is, I mean, you, you, you technically nobody dies of AIDS. Right. You die of whatever, you yeah. know, actually kills you that takes your immune system down. Glenn was also infected with HIV around 1992. He had become a panhandler and street thug and Ugh. a thief. He owed money to all his friends and was now unwelcome in almost every night spot in the Castro but he could still be found out front badgering people into giving him money. A Castro restaurant manager, quote, I could give you a list of people he's ripped off. He has burned more bridges than anybody I know around here. In 1994, the LA Times tracked him down and tried to do an interview. Glenn said he would do it for $10. The reporter said it was against policy to pay people they were interviewing and offered to buy him food instead. He was in bad shape. His teeth were chipped, he was gaunt, and weighed 155 pounds. Blood vessels ran up and down his arms, bulging. He had several skin cancer lesions. He would stop talking and take gulps of air. He told the reporter he was in pain 24 hours a day. 
He moved in with his sister and died of AIDS complications on May 30th, 1995. He was 42 years old. His mother, quote, that was his life, baseball. I think that after he couldn't play any more baseball, he felt that was the end of his life. After things happened the way they did, I don't think he cared after that. When he was a kid, Glenn Burke slept in his baseball uniform. On August 2nd, 2013, Burke was inducted into the National Gay and Lesbian Sports Hall of Fame. In 2014, MLB said it would honor him at the 2014 All-Star Game as part of a pregame press conference. He was not mentioned during the Fox broadcast of the game. Rick Monday, the guy who Glenn competed with for a position on the Dodgers, said this after his death. To speak of his sexual preference diminishes the spirit of Glenn Burke. He was actively always trying to be a great teammate, and he had a great sense of humor. We all have different mechanisms to deal with life. Baseball, quite frankly, has a lot of deniability. You have a lot of denying when you're not seeing the ball. You deny that even if you hit 300, you're not getting a hit two of every three at-bats. You're denying the fact that you've played 142 games, and you're physically and mentally tired, and you have 20 games to go. Yet Glenn had a levity, a levity that compensated for that. And also, a player, a San Diego Padres player died of AIDS, and the only guy who went to his funeral from the team was Steve Garvey, who played with Glenn Burke. Mm-hmm. In February 2013, American soccer player Robbie Rogers announced he was retiring from playing soccer in England at 25 years old because he was gay. He retired to avoid the pressure and scrutiny. But things had changed. On May 24th, 2013, he came to terms with the Los Angeles Galaxy and has been playing for the team ever since. He and his partner have a son and just got engaged on New Year's Eve. NBA player Jason Collins came out in 2013 near the end of his career and played two more seasons out of the closet. Michael Sam was drafted by the Los Angeles Rams and came out in training camp. He was waived but now plays professionally in Canada. And in 2015, David Denson, a player in the Brewers minor league system, came out. So uh, they killed him. Well, I mean, that is what is like that. I mean, it's very dense. But the idea that, uh, yeah, it's just like, how do you like even like, how do you root for suffering in any circumstance for someone who's decent? To me, it's because I have a kid who loves baseball. The idea of a kid who slept in his baseball uniform yeah. because he loved it so much and then got to this play the sport and couldn't play the sport because he was gay and yeah. then they broke him yeah. as a human being. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, but you, you like, you know, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I just, you can't mentally bridge that gap of, you know, like it, honestly, it was like some of the players' attitudes on his team. It's like if if someone if someone doesn't affect you, right? How does it matter? It doesn't matter. How does it How does it bother you? Why? No, it's crazy. And anything that leads you to think that that is the right way to think, that judgment on that level and to like that impact on somebody is okay. Like you just you can't. I mean, when you you like. Yeah, you have to let people feel what they feel. Yeah, let them be who they are. Yeah, and I—I I mean, and it all comes from such a weird place too. It's the same with like, you know, when like like, you know, like when people try to tell like uh, like when people legislate for when men legislate for vaginas. Oh, that's the worst. 
And when God, when when straight men are telling you what's wrong with a gay lifestyle, it's like, yeah, of course you can say that because it's not you. Yeah. Like it's easy, you know. I mean, it's just easy to say like, oh, literally, what they're doing is wrong because I'm the guy who doesn't do that. It's like that's not the point. <laughs> the point you should never like feel that sort of control over somebody's personal shit. Oh, no, it's crazy. And yet, like, look at every email I have. Government. All right. <laughs> Fine. What the actual fuck? All right. All right. I'm What's sorry. Happening? I'm getting spiced up. Okay. I'm spiced up over All right. here. All right. We signed. No, we didn't sign anything. <laughs> <laughs> we signed dicks. Oh, God. Cars. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this. Uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, this same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun. Half Hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help 